P. Ryan is in. One timeout for Cincinnati. And going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase. Oh, my goodness, what a crab. 34-yard touchdown throw. Burrow back to throw. Fires deep down the yeah. sideline. Chase wide oh, open. Oh, oh. Touchdown. Man. Bengals. Unreal. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. It's training camp time, uh, which means there's uh, there's a lot to talk about finally, and we're back from from a bit of you know a bit of a fractured summer. We've had a break, we came back, we had a little bit of a break, and now we're back. And uh, unbelievably, recording this on a Monday. NFL football is back on Thursday night with the Hall of Fame game. So the season is happening. It's back on the roller coaster, kids. Uh, hold tight. Uh, there will be ups and downs and uh, how's your father's and all sorts, I think. Um, and joining me to review the week that was is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan. Right, it's delightful to be back with you, son. The NFL season fast approaching, gets the get the juices flowing around the body a bit, doesn't it? Gets gets you all excited for that um, that sort of autumnal period where the the leaves are falling. There's a bit of a nip in the air, you know. You can scurry home on a you know Sunday afternoon, four or five o'clock. Get yourself holed up, get some get some food in, you know, get a few beers in maybe if you're feeling a bit naughty. And get a football on. I can't wait for it. But isn't uh, no? You're absolutely right. And uh, you can also add cordite in the air, the the smell of wood fire and fireworks and all that kind of stuff. Oh. Uh, brings a brings a special atmosphere, doesn't it, to autumn in the UK? Yeah. And uh, but but training camp is something completely different, isn't it? I mean, we've just had the back together event uh, on Saturday, where there was a live practice in full in front of around thirty thousand. Uh, Bengals fans in Paul Brown Stadium and and training camp's a different beast entirely not least because we're going to see in the next couple of weeks we're going to see amazing 60 yard bombs from a third string undrafted quarterback to a an undrafted wide receiver and therefore he's going to be like the best thing since sliced bread you know what I mean and of course it's hot in Cincinnati Um, so yeah training camp is a bit of a different a beast to those dark evenings those as you say the nip in the air the the rushing back to see the the games on a sunday night summer's all about uh short trousers perhaps uh, some sandals and your favorite bengal's muscle vest i think don't you think well, if you say so sam i mean that's a <laughs> quite a fitting image but um it is yeah oh, i'm very yeah i'm i am getting getting in the mood now you know i've got me uh i've got me Got me a football hat back on. I think it's just, you know, it's really nice to have the off season. I think that, that period we've just had for the last month or so, when literally nothing happens, it's a good time to just reset because the NFL off season is a busy one, isn't it? You go straight from the Super Bowl, which we had this year, straight into, you know, the combine and the draft and free agency, obviously before that, and then you sort of you're figuring out all the draft picks, there's contract signings and all the very rest of it with all the franchise tags. So I think, you know, for a month off is great, but now you sort of get over the line in July. It's it's all um, it's all plain sailing from here, and we've got a fantastic next five or six months of football to look forward to. 
Indeed. And we're buoyed considerably. Uh, one might say Tyler Boyd. Where <laughs> um, you're not laughing at that joke, are you? No. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> you got to do better than that, Sam. I know. I'm just warming up, man. I'm just warming up. I'm warming yeah, up. I can tell you've been off for a few weeks. <laughs> I know. I've got to sharpen the pun, the pun area of my brain. Um, yes, we heard that Joe Burrow had to go into hospital for uh, an appendix operation, but. He's back on the training field already. I don't think he's doing anything. He's driving around in a little golf cart. I think he nicked off Mike Brown. And uh, he's back at Paul Brown Stadium and the training field today. So that's uh, terrific news, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not ideal with stuff like that. But, I mean, I think the appendix thing, it's not going to be a long-term thing, is it? I mean, it gets it out of his system. It, tell you what, better it happen now yeah, than yeah, yeah, in two or three months' time because that would keep him out for a couple of weeks at least, I would imagine. Um, can't say I have my appendix out, so I don't know exactly the extent of the recovery. No, but, no, nor have I, no. Yeah, but um, certainly... You know, I mean, it's not going to impact him too much as it missing the first couple of days of camp. Again, it's not ideal, but we wish Joe were the best. I know he's back in the building, like you said, and hobbling around. So I'm sure he'd be out there slinging it about before before long. Appendixes are funny things. They're the most useless, pointless things in the body, and yet they could kill you at the drop of a hat, really, or the drop of a sack. And because uh, it is a little sack filled with fluid, from my understanding, that can go badly wrong at any moment. So. Best to it's have like that. It's like it didn't kill him, I suppose, isn't it? Well, yeah, when you put it like that, yes, it is. Um, yes. That would have, have been quite the off-season. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Anyway, no, let's not. Uh, we started off on a very dark uh, dark theme there. Let's not go down that avenue of doom. Um, um, what's happening in this episode? Obviously, Nathan and I are going to talk some rubbish. Uh, we're going to talk about training camp. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things that have happened in the past week. And, of course, things are happening day by day by day. It's a bit different from uh, from the football season, obviously, when things happen once or twice a week. It's it's happening on a daily basis, so we can only react to things that have happened and what we've seen. We're not out there in Cincinnati, obviously, uh, unfortunately, and unfortunately. Um, but we do have a special guest uh, in between training camp reps and, and sessions we managed to get hold of rookie cornerback cam taylor Britt. and if you've seen <laughs> interviews with cam taylor Britt, you know that he's a lively lad he's got a lovely smile and uh he's uh a, he's got a big energy i'll finish that sentence a big energetic personality and um so we managed to get hold of him so uh cam or, or CTB, as he's already being referred to in the in the Bengals fan base, uh, he'll be joining us a little bit later. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good old natter on Cincy natter. Now, before we get into the Bengals stuff, we have to mention two things. Um, one is that apparently Poppy Hart is taking first team reps at left guard in Buffalo. So good luck. Uh, Josh Allen there and B we found out today that uh, Judge Sue Robinson has issued a recommendation that uh, Deshaun uh, Watson be banned for six games six games of the regular season which frankly to me seems uh, lenient shall we say um, 
and uh, apparently she said in her notes it's the most egregious pattern of conduct ever reviewed by the NFL, which is some statement and uh, certainly an indictment of Watson's alleged behaviour. Uh, the NFL proved Watson sexually assaulted four women and posed a genuine, and this is quote, posed a genuine danger. Uh, however, um, she also said because uh, non-violence, it was a non-violent sexual assault, um, she recommended that it was uh, a six-game ban. And she also said there's no precedent, which I think, so basically from my understanding and reading all this, um, both, I disagree with Sue Robinson's um, recommendation, I think it should have been more, and also she does take some pot shots at the NFL saying that there is no precedent for this, where really there should be, and the NFL have tried to change their policy during this case. Now, obviously this is a Bengals podcast and uh, we don't want to linger too much on, on this issue, but it is a very serious issue and I make the point that we as a fan group uh, want to grow our fan base and be as diverse and inclusive as we possibly can and that means young girls and young women uh, being invited into the fold being invited into this community we want more women and young girls to 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 support the bengals in this this uh, country so what what message does this send out to uh, for those looking for an nfl team to support and and seeing this type of i don't know i would say sort of semi botched um case really now he is getting punished he is uh you know, getting suspended or banned, if you like, for, for six games, which some people will say is enough. I personally don't. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm just worried about the message it sends to potential fans. And I mean, we saw what the Lionesses did yesterday and how amazing yeah. they were in a track. I mean, you saw the atmosphere at Wembley, you know, whole families went. There was none of that aggression or tribalism that you get with uh, a lot of uh, men's football it was it was a really nice family atmosphere and uh, the more young girls and women involved in NFL fan groups the better I think because it makes genuinely it makes things better the atmosphere is better um, in my experience so uh, yeah I'm I'm not uh, down with this recommendation at all and it's not sour grapes from just because we're a Bengals fan group and they're an opposition team I like to think that we would uh, would have the same opinion if it was the San Francisco 49ers or the Chicago Bears or you know whatever who, who aren't really rivals to us or a player of our own well that's the other step I am fully aware and we've talked about this on the podcast before that plenty of Bengals uh, in the past have transgressed and, you know, in fact, they were known, you know, we, we were known for an organisation with behavioural problems. Um, uh, and also we have a current player who's been accused of sexual assault, you know. So it's not just uh, the Browns, it's not just the Bengals. It's uh, My worry is an NFL-wide thing and I do think the NFL needs to take more responsibility in this matter and act swifter and uh, certainly uh, introduce a whole raft of initiatives to, to to hopefully stop this happening more regularly, you know. So um, anyway, that's my thoughts. So I'll, I'll stop now. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on, son. I think you are. The NFL's got a problem, and 
there's a lot of characters in the NFL, to put it politely, and there's a lot of people around the league and on our team that have got checkered pasts and even players that we idolise, like Chad Ochocinco, that as much as we love him, has got a, a checkered past as well with stuff that he's been involved in with women, not sexually, of course, but, you know, in other respects. And you talk about Mixon, you talk about Jackson Carmen. I mean, you could go on and on with some of the various different things that people just on our team and around the league have been involved in and I think what people are looking for is two things they're looking for consistency yes because for someone like Calvin Ridley getting um a year suspension for betting $1,500 is is ridiculous on its own let alone um when you compare it to something like Deshaun Watson but then when you compare the two side by side I mean that that's just outrageous you know people like Josh Gordon in the past who has been suspended for marijuana use continued obviously he's not just one off he's mm. various times um violated the NFL substance abuse policy so hence the you know the punishment goes up whatever else but it needs, I think, someone, be it externally or whatever, to come in and look at this whole thing and say, look, this is really, it's wrong, it's damaging, it, it's 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 absolutely awful. I mean, there's been times in the past where you've had people like, you know, like a Michael Vick character, for example, what he did back in the day with the dog fighting was absolutely awful, despicable. There's no chance like a guy like that should be playing NFL football again. And he came back into the league eventually, he was with the Steelers, and by the end of his career, after he'd done a couple of years was revered he was on nfl network mm. for a bit you know they, they were happy to have him back and i just think you talk about deshaun watson six games <laughs> i mean he, by mid-season he'd be back by the end of the year he could be leading the browns to the playoffs and people were talking about how fantastic he's playing he's a very good player there's no lack of, you know no doubting his talent and i just think to your point about what message does that send to to parents, to kids, to, to young men, for example, that see that as like, oh, we got away that's, with that's doing all really of this. That's a really good and, point, man. And really he, good you point. know, and he's he's a you know playing in the NFL, fantastic quarterback. You know, you don't want people buying his jerseys and looking up to him. And unfortunately, that's going to happen. And I, I just think that it it goes. It's not just the NFL. Though. The NFL is easy to sort of hit with a stick. But I think you have to look around the league, not just at the Cleveland Browns, but at organizations around the NFL that are so desperate to compete and so desperate to win games that they're not afraid to take a punt on people with character concerns. And it's a disgrace that not only the Browns have taken a punt on him because, you you know, if the Bengals did that, I'd be absolutely I'd be heartbroken yeah, and yeah. I'd be appalled by it. But it's it's easy for me to sit there and say that when we've got Jackson Carmen on the team. And when Mike Brown was asked about that at training camp the other day, he gave a pretty, pretty lackluster answer. Oh, you know, we were comfortable with it. We think it's okay. Like not, not obviously uh, saying it's okay, but kind of just brushing it under the carpet with a bit of a nothing answer. And, I, I just think you want these teams around the league to sort of band together and say, look, should we sign something here and say, oh, I don't know how you police it, but let's just have slightly higher, you know, a slightly higher line here as to what we're going to accept and what we're trying to do here as a brand. Because I think you look around the NFL and the, the image that it's got. I mean, it's not great. You look back this season at Henry Ruggs and the, that disgraceful, you know, him driving really drunk throughout Las Vegas and killing an innocent an innocent woman and a dog, and you know, you just think, what is this league becoming? And there needs to be some sort of, you know, something here that is put in place or whatever to try and get a control on things. Because I just think the week seven having Deshaun Watson trot out there after the amount of things that he's been accused of is, is a disgrace. And it's not just him; there's a lot of other players, but 
it's not good, is it? It's really not good. No, and like you say, also it's not only an NFL problem, but it's a society problem as well. So I don't know how you marry the two up, but you can certainly police better. You can certainly issue the clubs with stricter guidelines. And so I'd like to see like mandatory education programs put in place yeah. at every single club. I'd like to see every single club, you know, take this extraordinarily seriously. Um, I think the Deshaun Watson thing, I and mean, this is a question for you, I guess, and if we're going to just sort of kick it about a bit. The thing that annoys me is if Deshaun Watson was a third string wide receiver, I think he's gone. I just don't think anyone would bother with him. Mm. And I think that's the problem. It's the, it's the teams that are so desperate and hungry to win that when a franchise quarterback, a potential top five quarterback on his day, is floating around, people aren't afraid to take a punt on him. Like with Michael Vick back in the day, they're not afraid to say, oh, actually, what can we do here? But when, if it was just like, you know, if he was a, a very average linebacker that played mm. for the Broncos and these things that come out, I don't think any team around the league say, oh, we're going to have that PR problem on our hands. But when it comes to a quarterback they're like oh we're not afraid to to do it and i think that's where there's got to be a slightly you know slightly more um Consistent. moral than ethics yeah with yeah. with clubs you know the, i just I, 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 you I, know I, what at the end of the day it's up to the fans to hold them accountable as well well there is and that's that something well. i don't I, I know that's like easy for us to say because we're not you know boycotting the bengals or standing outside paul brown because of um the situation with jackson carmen but Again, Jackson Carmen's a fringe rookie. If it was Joe Burrow that had that, you know, put against him, it's a different story, and that's because of how prevalent he is and how important he is to the team. And I think, yeah, I think that's a problem. It should be the same for everyone. It shouldn't just be a case of, or you know, how in the media spotlight is this certain player? Therefore, they're going to get judged accordingly. Yeah, and there also seems to be a thing about well, he, you know, it wasn't twenty-five women; it was it was four or five or six. And it's like, well, it doesn't it, there seems to be a bit of sort of playing the numbers game here? And what aboutism and all that kind of stuff? And it's like, well, actually, even if you acted disgracefully in front of one uh, woman, um, then that's that you should be held account. But I also th- going back to your point. I also think that uh, the the more higher profile that you get, the more money that you get, and therefore the better and more expensive legal team that you can get. And and it's pretty obvious yeah. that Sean Watson is he oh, yeah. has employed a whole you know a, a crack legal team, and he's paid off m- many ninety odd percent of his accusers. Which you know if that isn't uh, Almost an admission of guilt. I don't know what is, quite frankly. But anyway, that's a different story. Yeah. Well, it's also the just of the last thing about that. It's, it's not just the fact that the Browns have taken a punt on him. It's the fact that they've given him all that two hundred odd million guaranteed money. And there's teams around the league now. You talk about the Cardinals signing Kyler Murray and stuff, and a lot of teams around the league. I was watching Mike Florio and um, uh, what's his name, Chris Sims, the other day on their mm. show, and they were just saying that a lot of teams around the league are furious at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, completely guaranteed money that Peter, the Browns have given Deshaun Watson because it just sets a completely, you know, outrageous bar for future contracts with players, especially yeah. quarterbacks. So, mm. you know, not just to give him, like, get him on a cheap deal, maybe we'll take a flyer on him, not, you know, to give him all of that guaranteed money just to rub some salt in the wound. Well, just, I, just segue. Yeah. I mean, we said we didn't want to talk about Deshaun Watson for too long, but it is a serious subject. And we're, we are NFL fans as well as Bengals fans. We want. We obviously want to see the best players and all the rest of it, but um, you know, equally, um, this is a Bengals podcast, and um, I think we've addressed the Deshaun Watson 
issue for now. Um, but segueing on from the money side of things, the Bengals, there was um, a Sportico website issued a chart, a very funky chart actually, um, showing which how how much each NFL team made last year in terms of revenue. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys were number one last year. They made $978 million, um, uh, which was an increase. Oh, let's see. They made $978 million. The Rams were next, 692 So there's a bit of a gap there. The Patriots, $681 million. The Giants, $616 million. And you go through the teams, and guess who is at the very bottom? Uh, the Bengals with 458 million, which wasn't actually almost like a 150 million increase in the year before. Um, it's interesting. We talk about how, you know, we have been talking about the Jesse Bates situation and how how can teams afford to pay so much money guaranteed? But, I mean, the revenue and how much each team is worth seems to be more and more relevant. So it's not surprising that they've announced that they're, they're going to sell naming rights to the stadium. And um, cool, yeah. I think that with Burrow and Higgins and Chase uh, extensions coming out, I think they have realised that they have to generate some income, you know what I mean, to kind of really, yeah, uh, to really, really kind of um, challenge the big boys. I mean, you look at the top, sort of 10 teams in that revenue earning chart it's the cowboys the rams the patriots the giants the 49ers the bears the jets so two new york then washington philadelphia denver so so there was a few weird ones uh, and then at the bottom the bottom sort of five or six are the bengals the lions the jaguars um the bills the cardinals the browns the colts and the saints and the buccaneers which you'd expect uh, more from I'm gonna, but I'm yeah, gonna, it's, it's interesting gonna, though. It's just it was just interesting to me. That was all. I'm, I'm going to um, go over two um, topics in one here, Sam, because I'm sure one of them would have come up anyway. But it on. neatly segues on from what we're talking about here. So CJ's armor the other day blowing yes. up on Twitter. A lot of Bengals fans getting very upset because he came out and said that. Uh, took a parting shot at the Bengals, kind of saying that he wasn't sure, you know, how they'd get Joe Burrow back and blah, blah, blah with the money. And going on from what I, when I was watching old Mike Florio um, on his show on Sky the other day, he made a point that I thought was interesting, that he thinks Joe Burrow, when he signs his contract with the Bengals, will be the first player to sign for a percentage of the cap rather than... Um, a specific amount and he was talking about looking back at all these quarterback contracts that um, people have signed three four years ago that at the time were groundbreaking uh, breaking money and now you see these contracts that Kyler Murray are getting that Deshaun Watson's getting and it he was making the argument as well that teams like the Arizona Cardinals like Michael Bidwell the owner even if he wanted to give Kyler Murray a fully guaranteed like 200 million deal or something like that he was making the point, and it goes into specifics and financials over my head, but that the Cardinals wouldn't necessarily, and Michael Bidwell, the owner, wouldn't necessarily have that money liquid lying around. No, that's right. To put in, to give to people like that. And, you you know, this is where it gets to a point where these extremely rich owners that have got this money knocking around, like your Stan Kroenke's and the Rams owners mm-hmm. and all the, these people that... Um, I think the new Denver owner's got absolute fortune. I think he's going to be the richest owner of any team in the NFL. Now, Mike Brown is not by any means some crazy billionaire with, you know, all sorts of money falling around. So 
that is an interesting situation that we will have to monitor when Joe Burrow's contract comes around and you have other people like Justin Herbert that are going to want a lot of money and what's that going to be pegged against? And Florio was basically saying that Burrow could be the first player to break that mould and the Bengals would say, right, we'll give you at any one time, you're going to be worth 12% of the cap so that his deal would basically move with how the market moves, sure, how the cap sure. moves year on year, which is I thought was an interesting observation. CJ Zama's comment, I don't care, really. No, I was going to ask you, what do you think about it? Because a I lot of people are very really. sensitive. No. Oh, no. he's throwing his old team under the bus. How dare he say that? CJ's dead to me I now. Think, it's like, come on, gee. I, I think that he would have loved to have come back. I yeah. think he, was, he didn't come back. I think he's probably a bit peeved that the Bengals' offer wasn't fantastic. I don't think that... It would have been that smart for us to pay him what the Jets paid him. I think he's a, a good tight end. I don't think he's an elite tight end. His numbers have never been elite. He's a great guy, great character, great leader. I would have liked him back, but I think it would have been... You talk about we can't sign everyone. It's a good example of... I think Hayden Hurst is very good in training camp. Well, well I was going to say, we should do another. Yeah. We've been segue. You say we're yeah. not very sharp, but we're sharp on the old segways tonight. Let's segue from CJ into our new tight end, Hayden Hurst. Go on, Nathan. He's looked banging the geezer, isn't he? A couple of nice little grabs over the middle of the, yeah. of the field. I mean, whenever a player's name comes up and up, as long as it's not for an injury, it's probably a, a good thing. And, you know, he had some flashes, Hayden Hurst, in the past, didn't yeah. he? And people... I think, you know, he, he wasn't obviously the, the number one over there in Atlanta and obviously got overshadowed by Kyle Pitts. But I don't know, man, he, he could be a sneaky little addition. And even if he performs at the level mm. CJ performed, at, he put up similar numbers. We're getting him on a much cheaper contract than we could have got with CJ. And I think him and Burrow have been working out in the off season as well to build up a bit of chemistry. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. And Burrow does like his tight end. He, he does. does like to go to his tight ends. If him and Hurst have built up a bit of chemistry then it could be all steam ahead and also um he was wearing that massive padded helmet that they seem to be wearing more so these days uh, it's like they're like uh, wearing about five jumpers at the same time aren't they it, there's a slightly ridiculous look to them but um do you know what i mean have you seen them pick them mad helmets that they're wearing i have when i first saw it i was like what is going on here i was like have i had too many pints already but no yeah they are very <laughs> it, odd looking it looks a bit like, like a, a dummy on your head or something yeah it looks like a doctor who villain like walk <laughs> like running around the field uh i want one i think i do i think i want one do you think they're going to catch on as much as the white bengal helmets do you think <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna wear it down to your local uh local sainsbury's Sunday? Yeah, yeah 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 and just like run into things and see um <laughs> run into the Jaffa Cakes aisle to see what damage I can cause. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm I'm quite convinced if things go all well with uh, with uh, Hayden Hurst, I think he's he's absolutely capable of putting up the same uh, numbers as CJ or if not surpassing him, you know what I mean? I, I've got no problem in predicting that because I do think, you know, I think he, like you say, he has shown he's a first round pick. You know, he's got first round talent. He's been unlucky in his career. Um, but I think uh, he's obviously fired up and ready to go. And like you say, Burrow does like a little tight end uh, um, out valve, doesn't he? To, to kind of release the pressure. So, yeah, I, I've got no problem in predicting that. Uh, all right, let's do it now. Let's do it now. This early in camp, as long as he stays healthy. Would you? Are you going to predict that Hayden Hurst will surpass CJ's career year last year? 
Ooh, I think he. That, I would say that would be probably his under over. I think that's exactly what you'd kind of expect from him. I think if as long as Burrow's healthy for the whole year, yeah, I think he might just go over it, but barely, like scrape past it. You've got to think it, Burrow's got to split it all around between Mixon and yeah. Chase and Boyd and Higgins. There's a lot of talent there to be throwing the ball to. Um, but no, I, I think he could. I, I do think he could. I think he could get about 520 yards and six yeah. touchdowns or something like that. You, yeah, you I yeah. think would be completely realistic. Very similar numbers to CJ last year, and uh, I don't see why not. Um, before we bring Cam Taylor Britt, uh, special guest for this episode, uh, just a couple of things. I watched a, a GQ video uh, the other day with Jamar Chase. Uh, it's called My First Million. And uh, it is um, people talking about how they sp- how they've spent their first million. And first things first, it made me utterly sick to my stomach uh, just seeing like a million dollars on a table there, thinking, God, I don't want to know what pe- how people are spending their first million. I can. How did you spend your first million, sir? Well, I was thinking I was going to ask you the same question. How would you do that? <laughs> but let me let me have a think. I think it'd have to be. No, but how did you spend it though? Because you, you obviously I? had a few million. Well, it was a long time ago, time. back in the day. You know, when I you first bought cars my... for you. That's right. Yes, went, I... went in on a nice restaurant, nice Italian restaurant. No, I, I liked it so much. I bought the restaurant and <laughs> um, had that food every single night of the week. Um, I also bought a new BMX, a gold BMX, gold and titanium BMX. And um, I no, I don't, I don't know. How how would you? How would Nathan Palmer spend his first million? I reckon. See, once upon a time, a million pounds was a lot of money, and obviously, it is still a lot yeah, of money. No, yeah. But it's not as much as it used to be, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Although, obviously, if someone was to hand me a million pounds now, I uh, I I don't think. Uh, I would refuse that. Actually, I'd, I'd welcome that with open arms. Um, I would. I would put. I would try to invent some sort of teleportation device. I think I'd try to invent. You need more than a million for that. Son. Well, I know. Yeah, that's the thing, though, isn't it? I tried I to invent. You, you need more than a billion for that. I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, I tried to. All right. This is more achievable. I tried to uh, make the the biggest Jaffa cake in the world. I think that would be my absolute goal, and I'm fairly that convinced I could. There's a field out the back there uh, of my house, and I reckon I can make a jaffa cake that big with a million. The pounds. issue with that is it would you'd struggle with it falling apart. Exactly. You need yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. You need some serious money for R and D, and um, <laughs> and I think I'd cover that. Oh yeah, I'd buy a car and a house, and I'd go on a really nice holiday. Um, I think. Somewhere nice. What about you? How would you spend your first million? Well, if we're not talking about like safe things and like, oh, I'd put a bit away for a rainy day. What I would do, <laughs> trouble get, is, I'd, there's loads of rainy days in in the yeah, UK. So I'd, you know, what I mean? I'd buy a boat. I've always liked the a idea boat. of owning a boat. What like a yacht, yeah. a luxury yacht to cruise around? Nah, in? 
Well, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. like one of them old kind of Spanish Armada flagons where you can fire cannons <laughs> at people. Cannon, yeah. No, just like one of those kind of like nothing too flashy. I mean, for a million, I mean, you couldn't be driving around on a Roman Abramovich you wanted, but just no, a, a little nice little one that maybe had a room in it, yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. like nice deck on the back, maybe oh, you could have a few mates and some beers, yeah, and then yeah. I'd buy like a sort of cheap and cheerful property somewhere abroad and dock it somewhere nearby maybe in italy and just yeah. you know yeah i think i did that i would buy a nice house for me and my mother and i would also buy a nice holiday home somewhere in a country that's that's nicer than the uk so a lot of other countries that <laughs> i'm kidding so somewhere like italy would be good hey we could be neighbors in italy how about that well, we'll talk about that later, Sam. I've got a proposal for you, as yeah, you must no. know. And we, we could like do the podcast each week live from our jetties <laughs> on, <laughs> on overlooking the Mediterranean. How about that? We could do our naked podcast and no one would care because like we'd be in the middle of nowhere and the sun would be burning our testicles. Anyway, uh, right. Um, enough That's of a that. Segway that was. It was. We've gone. We went segway mad and then just went tangent mad there. And I do apologise for the lack of smoothness. However, we do have a special guest, so let's bring in uh, that person. And now joining us, a very special guest. It is C to the T to the B. It's your new number 29. It's Cam Taylor-Britt. Cam, how you doing? Welcome to Cincinnati. Man, thank you, man. Thank you. Um, we're all extremely excited because we've been, you know, it's, it's difficult because we're so many thousand miles away, so we rely on on journalist reports and little snippets of video but from what we understand you have hit the ground running my friend and uh how's it been so far honestly it's been great man especially with all the vets here and you know the other guys always helping us out it's been amazing you know i didn't come in and have to do you know the crazy rookie duties like yeah we have some things to do of course but I wouldn't say it's like any other team. I'm not carrying around 15 helmets or anything like that. It's all love here and, and make sure that we're, we're done right here. Uh, you mentioned crazy rookie duties. I'm intrigued. What do crazy rookie duties uh, entail normally? Grabbing the whole DB group water or something, like carrying it over <laughs> in practice or you know, just washing somebody's clothes. Well, I don't have a problem with, you know, us buying snacks for the room or you know, just even dinner because I, I do understand those things, but. You know, just watching, you know, NFL Network as a younger kid and seeing all those, you know, rookies come into the league and having to do crazy things. I was like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> they used to cut their hair and everything. So you, you mentioned that uh, it's been quite easy, I guess, so far uh, in terms of they've thrown you, they've treated you not like a rookie, but a proper player, which which speaks a lot to the way that the coaches think of you, I'm guessing. Yeah, I can say they still treat me like a rookie here and there as far as, like, you know, playbook-wise and just, you know, coaching me. Uh, just trying to make sure I get things down packed. But other than that, I feel like everybody gets treated, you know, the same way around here. Mm. And I want to take you back to your draft night because, obviously, we get to see, you know, uh, all the videos. And it was an emotional time in the Taylor Britt household by the looks of it. But that must seem like a million miles away, um, like – years ago let alone months right most definitely um in a blink of an eye i'm here now and i'm in my what fourth third practice fourth practice already mm. and i i'm losing track of the days that's how fast everything is going and you know here comes soon 
we'll be in season and, you know, we'll be, you know, making a run for it. Um, Now, now that must be incredibly exciting because I, I guess when you get drafted, the first thing you want to do is like obviously spend and celebrate with your family, which is, it looks as though that you did in style. Um, but then I, I'm guessing you can't wait to get to your team. In this case, Cincinnati, was that the case? That was the case. Honestly, I thought in my eyes and I thought really how I went with everyone that, you know, after the day you get drafted, the next day you're up there. <laughs> I, I kind of <laughs> thought that, but I was home for maybe, maybe three days, you know, just got a chance to, no bond with my family before it's time to take off. And, you know, once I did, you know, everybody was, you know, happy for me and just, you know, I have a great support system. So they sent me off great. Mm. So you're an NFL player now. It's, it's lots of kids dreams. How's it shaping up? And I guess the question is that everyone is asking you and I'm going to ask you it as well. What's the difference so far between uh, what you've experienced up until now and now you're in the NFL? I know it's only, as you say, your full practice is in. So this is just literally the start of your journey. Um, what's it been like? Is it? Have you found it physically tougher? Has it been faster? Has it been? I mean, how have you digested the playbook? Has it been more complicated? Talk to us about the adjustment there. As far as the physical part, I wouldn't say it's anything like that as far as uh, you know, terminology and just the speed of the game. Well, definitely that's the difference from college. Uh, it, you know, you have certain calls in college that they switch the words up here up here, and it means the same thing, but I have to learn their terminology. Uh, so I have to, you know, forget everything that I learned for four years and, you know, come right in here and get down with the playbook. My practice has been great as well, man, you know, just going out there and asking all the guys questions. Uh, they they're always there to help anytime. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a, a seven year vet or anybody. Uh, they're going to make sure that you're on the same page as they are. Now, last year the uh, secondary room and especially the cornerback room um, had a terrific year, like the team did. But if we just talk Sorry. about the the cornerbacks in particular, Eli and Cheeto and Mike and all those guys had fantastic year. What's it been like to join that room and how have they been? Because especially someone like Mike Hilton, you know, he's an infectious personality. At least he comes over that way. What's it been like to join that room? A lot of it's been great, man. They open arms, you know, as soon as they find out, you know, who who they were getting. Uh, I got messages from all of those guys just making sure that I knew that they were on my side. And they're great mentors in every aspect as far as I'm on the field, you know, even just off the field. We can just go and go out to eat and we have, you know, regular conversations about life. And, uh, you know, just try to keep me on my, my P's and Q's all the time. And I really appreciate that because you know, I feel like, you know, you have to look up to somebody and those are great mentors right there to look up to. Mm. Now, I say you've been turning, you've been catching the eye um, <laughs> in uh, camp already. There's been PBUs. There's been really good play from you, standout play, as I say, eye-catching play. What's What's your approach to training camp? Is it to kind of... Do you want to what what's your mindset there? Do you want to um do you want to make the vets kind of trust you and and uh value you straight away? Is that in your mind or are you looking to impress the coaches or do you just put all that stuff out of your mind and just be you? Honestly, I do just be myself uh and I feel like that's very affectionate cuz of my energy and everything around someone, you know, I just feel like I make everybody you know be themselves, you know, smile. Uh, so going out there is really not a, a fact in, you know, impressing anybody. I uh, was going out there and put my best foot forward and, you know, just showing the guys that, you know, I have this down pack and I'm going to give 
full effort every time, even if I mess up. Mm. And I try not to make the same mistake again, you know, because, you know, you can make one mistake and you may not get your spot back again. That's how it goes here um, in the in the NFL period. Not saying that I have, you know, a set spot or anything, but, yeah, you just never know. So you want to, you know, learn from your mistakes and, you know, move on with it and make new mistakes and then learn from that and continue to grow. So you you don't you don't fear making mistakes. That's that's well, a big thing, isn't speed. it? Because people fear making mistakes. But well, you're sir, I'll try to do it full speed, yes, sir. Mm. And then I guess this is the time to do it, right? While you're still learning and getting used to things, right? You're right, and not in the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to talk to you about your energy. You've already from what I read, you've already been given uh, a nickname, which is the Energizer Bunny. Is that right? And it sounds about right. <laughs> What I've seen you on, you know, clips on YouTube and film and all the rest of it, and your personality, um, I think everybody is sort of falling in love with you straight already, even, you know, us over here. Do you know what I mean? Yes, Where sir. does this energy, this infectious personality come from? Honestly, uh, I've kind of always been like this, but I had two knee surgeries in high school and I just never took this game for granted again. Uh, I was taken away from me and there was no way of coming back when I wanted to. It was really you had to sit out and you had to rehab and make sure everything was all right 100%. So when that game got taken away from me, I really just wake up every day and I'm like, hey, you got to go get to it because uh, it can be taken away from you just like that. And I I refuse to let that happen. You know, I just want to come out here and, like I said, put my best foot forward every day and just show these coaches and also my teammates that they they're, they got somebody that's going to put their you know, effort and, you know, just to make sure everything is good. That's really interesting, Cam. So from adversity, you learn to kind of relax and obviously take it very seriously, but but have this kind of balance there that you know that, you know, it can go any at any moment. So that adjusted your mindset. Most definitely did. There's a time and place for everything. I can have fun all the time, most definitely, but... No, I feel like when I'm locked in on that field, you don't see that goofy laughing cam anymore. It's, it's something serious on the field. Mm. Now, obviously, you're former Nebraska. Yes, sir. Uh, our head coach is former Nebraska as well. Um, we kept hearing that the Bengals had met you throughout the process. So I don't think anybody was too surprised when we drafted you. What about you? I mean, it just felt destined that the name Cam Taylor Britt was going to be called on draft night did did that feel the same way your end i know lots of things can different things can happen in the draft process but did you have have a feeling that it could be the bengals i did have a feeling it could be because just after my top 30 visit i had an amazing visit here and in my interaction with every coach was like no other from other places that i did visit not saying that they were bad, but you know, I just connected with these coaches so well. And yeah, you know, just to hear my name call, I even talked to Coach Burks, you know, after I did get drafted, he was like, That's God, that it was meant to be. I talked to Stanley Morgan, and that's my bro. He was like, It's crazy how we ended up back at the same place. That's God. And we just continue to say that just because, you know, we had a great relationship when we were in Nebraska. And now that I'm here, you know, we continue to be you know, the best teammates to each other, you know, just iron sharpers iron, uh, help each other get better every day. Okay, just some fun questions. I know that you've got to get off because, again, you've got practice pretty soon. <laughs> you said in the locker room that you want to to pick off Joe Burrow in practice. Yes, Has anybody given you any stick for that or any comeback? Or uh, no, not at all. It's it's uh, not at all, not at all. 
It's all okay. competition at the end of the day, man, with, with everybody on this team. That goes for O-line, D-line, those receivers, quarterbacks, uh, DBs, you know, and it's, it's all competition, but it's love at the end of the day. Mm. But, you know, we always try to go out there and put our best foot forward and, you know, just make plays. Hmm. Okay, just final question before we wrap up. Uh, Cam, if that's all right. Me and you, I think we've got a rapport going here. I'll, I'm going to call you my mate, my friend. All right, now. <laughs> we're going to hang out. I'm going to come around to Cam Taylor Britt's house. What are we going to do? What What do you like? Because we interviewed um, DJ Reader, okay. who we found out loves breakfast cereal, right? Breakfast cereal is his thing. Yeah. Have you got... <laughs> <laughs> have you got a thing what's your favorite foods what do you like to eat what if we're going to hang out where are you going to take me for something to eat uh or cook even i don't know can yeah, you yeah i was gonna say no nah, i want to know about cooking you know we can do that but uh <laughs> i don't know what we might eat i like pop tarts so you might have a pop tart or two but uh, uh we're gonna play the game for sure you know i do that in my off time you know that kind of just Mellows me back down, you know, just takes me away from the game of football right then. Uh, play 2K. Uh, that's a basketball game on. Mm -hmm. So I, I play that a lot uh, just to get my mind free. You know, just open up and play with my friends online. Uh, I watch movies. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of movie. Like I said, I love horror, funny, uh, you know, rarely like scary movies, you could say. Uh, really scary. It has to be because I would turn it off fast. But no. I'm hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rewind, rewind, rewind. You will turn off a scary movie if it's not scary enough. Yeah, because some movies are really not that good. <laughs> right. I like like Blumhouse. You know, that's a producer. He makes great movies. Right. Uh, so I, anytime that I see that, it's all right. I'm locked in, you know, because he makes great movies. That's um, hilarious. I'm a man. movie guy. I'm not a, a TV show guy, so we're okay. watching too many shows. Uh, right. I can't sit there forever and just watch a show. So that'll be about it, man. We go outside got, and run around. <laughs> you, you've got the energy. Does that so that does that translate to your home life? You say you can't sit down and watch long TV shows. Are you kind of not hyperactive, but if you got if you always got to be doing something? You... Yeah, you could kind of say that. You know, uh, that's why I do play the game. Though that's my 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 time. My I, that's when I get in my zone and I can just you know you know really calm down and breathe. I could say uh, and have fun with the guys on the game. I'm mm -hmm. sitting down in my home, uh, not. No doing anything active. Well, so it's going to be pop tarts and scary movies and a few yeah. video games. If I come out, if I come round to your place, <laughs> <ever. laughs> yes, all right, man. Well, uh, what's the scariest movie that you've ever seen or watched? What What can you recommend? I think the scariest movie is probably like. I think when I first seen the first Insidious, it was pretty scary. So mm -hmm. that was probably one of my favorites. Okay, cool. Well, Cam, listen, man, I uh, can't thank you enough for the time. Uh, as I say, you've already become a fan favourite, so just keep doing what you're doing. And really, honestly, we're going to be shouting you on from this side of the pond, and we wish you the best of luck here on this, not only the start of your NFL journey, but throughout your career, man. hope you have an absolutely brilliant camp, and best of luck for the season. Thank you so much, man. You have a good one, too. There we go. How wonderful was that? Cam Taylor Britt, we wish him all what the best. What a charming young man. Indeed, a charming young man, as as the Smiths uh, once sang. And um, he has a smile that would, I think, could uh, provide uh, electricity 
for uh, a small city in the UK, I think. A megawatt smile, and what a lovely man. And we do genuinely wish him the best because, again, he, he we mentioned Hayden Hurst earlier, and by all accounts and by all reports, Cam Taylor Britt has been turning heads uh, in training. Yeah, camp. I've uh, seen that. Past yeah. breakups galore. He's been threatening, as I mentioned, threatening to intercept Joe Burrow when he comes back on the field. And you know what? You wouldn't put it past him because he's. Co- I like his confidence. It's not arrogance. It's it's genuine confidence. You know, and I love the fact that he came through adversity he changed his mindset after all those injuries in high school and he kind of said you know what i'm just gonna from now on i'm gonna really appreciate every day i'm gonna love every day i'm gonna smile every day and um and that's really cool to see and uh what's what's the ceiling for cam taylor Britt this year do you think nathan oh it's a good question um I mean, like you said, he's been getting some rave reviews at camp. His name's come up a lot. The videos I've watched of him, he looks extremely quick. He looks very athletic, flexible. Um, I don't think we can expect too much from him. I don't think he's going to mm. be a, a weapon and go to the Pro Bowl or anything silly. Yeah, but yeah. you want him to get a good amount of playing time. You want him to make a few splash plays here and there. I think the preseason's a good chance for, you know, get a lot of reps, I would assume, in the preseason to get his name out there then. But I think you want him to have a good enough year that you could go into next season and say, right, this guy can be an impact player for us and really press on from there. And I think he's had a good start. It's very early, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's the first early, week of yeah. training camp. Yeah. We can't, you know, I think me and you maybe with a good few camera angles could maybe look okay out there and get what, you know, Paul Dana to give us a shout out. And people <laughs> saying that <laughs> I don't know about that, mate. I don't well, know maybe, about no, that might be a step too far. But yeah. I think good luck to him. I mean, like I said, he does, from what I've seen, genuinely look like a bit of a live wire sounds like a you know a great lad from the interview we've just heard that you always want those characters and those guys with confidence and positivity on the team so i'm expecting him to um have a strong impact this year and then hopefully use that experience to kick on for next one thing we've got to talk about though is pop tarts um now obviously you mentioned pop tarts pop tarts haven't really taken off in this country have they because and I, I it's one of those sort of things that hasn't really translated or taken off mostly i think because everyone has uh, a pop tart story where a it just seems weird to put those things a it's weird to eat those things for breakfast b it's weird to put those things in a toaster and c everyone has a story where they've burnt the the, the kind of skin that it's not skin the the lining of the mouth uh to high heaven after eating a pop tart because obviously it doesn't look particularly hot and then you you bite into it and you've got this molten lava filling in the <laughs> middle um where do you stand on the old pop tarts i have never had a pop tart why are you joking I've never had one, no. They look very interesting. I, don't, I didn't even know you heated them up. I've seen them before, but I didn't know you had them hot. Yeah, you have to put them in a toaster. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, and, and then and then you, well, I'll warn you. No, I want, you to, bit, I want you to do it, because when I say everyone has a story, but it's obviously not everyone has a story about burning the shit out of their mouth. Uh, <laughs> but and I want you to experience that. So what I would do for you is... Put some Pop-Tarts in a toaster. Go down to your local... I think, you know, you sell them in Big Sainsbury's or a big supermarket. Tesco's. Hey, there's a gaff around the corner that sells them. I've seen Get them. Get some. They, they Get. just look so like... I feel like it'd be about, you know, your daily dose of sugar in one of them. like In one bite, yes. In one bite. <laughs> not. <laughs> you have them for breakfast? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
They're like solid. Instead of like a, a bowl of breakfast cereal, they are like a, a, a solid square of breakfast cereal, if that makes sense. And you what put them in. What flavours we talking? Uh, like strawberry and uh, sugar, and then sugar and I don't know, and murder, uh, jasmine, chocolate, and uh, mahogany, and I don't know, <laughs> lavender and tobacco and sandalwood. Exactly. But now what I would like you to do is get some Pop-Tarts of your choice, right? Put them in the toaster and then put them in the toaster again so they get super duper hot. And then ju- without waiting for them to cool down, just bite into one. And I want you, I want you to have your mouth-burning story. I might be around the corner of the Royal Free if I do that. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you better get uh, you better get an open open route to the, your nearest uh, accident and emergency room. I think. Uh, but no, uh, uh, Cam also mentioned um, uh, horror movies. Where do you stand on horror movies? Because I'm not a huge fan, but I know people who are real kind of aficionados. Do you know what I mean? Where do you stand on horror movies? I like horror movies, but I think for the most part they're done awfully. Mm. They're really budget, and there's always some like creepy little girl, and it just they're just they're very cliche and never done that well. I think you could make some like one of my favourite horror films is do you know um, the Strangers, and it, no, it's I basically don't. a film where some people are out at this holiday home, bit in the sticks get a knock on the door, a bit of a weird woman at the door. It's like, oh, like she's lost, but it's like, oh, fucking hell. Like, you know, someone knocking on your door. It's quite, yeah. you know, maybe eight, nine o'clock at night. Yeah. She leaves and basically these people turn up in masks and terrorize them throughout the night and are trying to kill them. And it's extremely terrifying. Now, I like that because it's realistic. You know, that could right, happen. Right. Okay. You know, you could be staying out in the cottage. You have a cottage in Devon. Yeah. And me and a couple of the lads from Bengals UK could turn up in masks. And, and basically terrorise me for a weekend. Is that what you Yeah, mean? exactly. Brilliant. You'd be more terrified and probably never recover. So the fact <laughs> that you know, I, I quite like the fact that it's realistic. Can I just say, can I just stop you there? If anyone is actually thinking of doing that, then please don't. Please don't. But, it would break me, I think. But stuff like, you know, like these little girls that appear and then, you know, weird devil things and stuff. I just, it <laughs> doesn't really scare me very much. It's just a bit weird. And I think I, th- I find that, that's, I find that quite comical. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bit like, oh, well, the weird little girl again, like that's creepy yeah, and there's yeah, blood yeah. coming out of her head and like, oh, no, like. <laughs> what a shame. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> what a shame, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, you know. Do you, do, you need, do, you need, do you need some medical assistance, my love? Uh, yeah. Come in and me and my friends will a- uh, put some, uh, some uh, dressing on your head. Talking of real life horror movies, though, there's another one that I've seen about a man that got thirty massages off of uh, various different women. And um, anyway, we'll leave that uh, one yes, there. Yeah, that is a bit of a horror movie, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, right. Okay. Let's get to our correspondences. We are at Hooday underscore UK. Uh, so do keep in touch with us as we ramp up the excitement uh, during training camp and then, of course, pre-season. Let us know if you're going to Cincinnati for any pre-season games. Uh, I did say that a lot of Bengals fans from the UK are making the trip to Cincinnati or even an away game. I know people are going to New Orleans. I know people are going to Kansas. I know people are going to the Jets game. Um, All sorts of things happening. So um, do let us know if you're going to Cincy. 
Uh, but in the meantime, let's go to Aurelius FC at Aurelius FC. Uh, he's interested most in the edge rush position opposite Trey. If Osai can develop, it'll add a dimension we didn't have last year. That, for me, will be the biggest difference in the team bar the OL changes. Also interested to see if Hill can replicate his wonderful season. Uh, so fair point, AFC, isn't it? Um, just a quick note, apparently Eric, Alex Kappa, after his uh, little niggle, is being eased back in. And Leal Collins with his uh, his back injury, um, he's day to day. But yeah, I mean, the hope is that Osai can just pick up where he left off in that preseason game last year. I mean, I mean, what did he have? Three or four snaps? He looked like a million dollars. You know what I mean? So difficult, <laughs> difficult he's got a lot to, to say. Up to old old Joe's yeah, Messiah, he has, isn't he? Isn't he? I feel, like he I feel really bad for him pre- as well because it's yeah. almost like the expectations are too high for. Osai. No, I know. But obviously, I, I think, he looked he looked terrific uh, in those that very small sample size. Yeah, and he's coming back from a pretty se- serious injury, hence why he missed four, five, six months of the season last year. So that's going to take some time as well. But I mean, he was a third round pick. He had a good game in the preseason. I think he had a really good preseason. He played every game, and you know, he, he looked a million dollars in all four. You maybe could justify the hype. I'm excited to see what he can do, but I'm not expecting him to necessarily be a difference maker. If he can be a difference maker, fantastic. But a lot of players in their first actual season in the NFL, which I know he's obviously had a year in and around the team, but he hasn't got any tangible experience on the field. So Mm -hmm. that's going to come with time. I think if he could chip in with a couple of three, four, five sacks this year and you know, look like he was developing throughout the year. That'd be great. And I'd be really excited to see him in his second mm. slash third year. So good luck to the boy. And AFC makes a great point about uh, BJ Hill as well. We do need him to replicate that form, especially with uh, Big Larry Absolutely. gone now. Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing Zach Carter. Out of all the rookies, I feel that Zach Carter isn't being talked about enough. And I think he could perform a very crucial role as, as some sort of, I don't know, three tech kind of edge hybrid you know i'm um, looking forward to seeing here how he gets on uh, sam reeve at johnny prong no question we have the best all singing all dancing wide receiver group in the nfl bring on the gritty who day and there was i think uh, jamar um uh jamar uh kind of did some gritty action at uh uh, back together at the weekend. So long may that uh, that rain and long may we see that very often in the season. That'd be great uh, if he has Jamar. Jamar. <laughs> uh, Matthew at our underscore M4TT. Not exactly Bengals related, but the NFL are a bunch of cowards. Deshaun Watson should have spent at least the whole season suspended. I, I always want us to beat Cleveland, but I hope this year we will. And truly take a... Uh, well, I better not say that. Uh, Jay, and finally, at Jamie. At Jamie? Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Not a huge fan of the Volson hype. It seems every other off-season we latch onto and blow up a mid-round prospect into an immediate starter. Let him develop. I agree, and he's right. And it's not just mid-round uh, prospects. It's kind of undrafted, for, you know, as I mentioned earlier, some undrafted wide receiver. Kwame Laster, who's also turning heads, might, you know, make a spectacular catch down uh, down the sideline and suddenly he's going to be a pro bowler, do you know what I mean? But yeah. that, that battles, uh, by the sounds of things, um, 
I mean, Carmen is the front runner for that left guard position. Um, but, you know, I think Volson could develop into... He's got the intangibles by the sounds of things. Do you know what I mean? He's got the right stuff to make it in the NFL in terms of personality and mental toughness. Um, but we'll, we're just going to have to wait and see on that one. It'll be interesting to see him in preseason, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you said exactly right. He's got a. Jamie said it, you said it. He's got to have some time to develop. A, a small preseason is not really going to be enough. If he's just starting guard as a mid round pick after a decent preseason, I'd be slightly concerned. You know, he's going to. I think hopefully, you know, maybe get some playing time throughout the year. I hope he won't need to. I hope the Lions going to be, um, you know, be healthy and we won't necessarily need to rely on him too much. But like with all the rookies, let's not expect them to come in and light things up. If they can play well in rotation and look good and get the right experience, we can look to them to lead next year. It, it's rare that I think you get a, a rookie that's going to come in and make such an immediate impact, especially when you're drafting position 31 and those players come slightly later on in the rounds, you know, you, you tend to expect a bit less, but fingers crossed, you know, I'm excited for Dax Hill, Cam Taylor, yeah, Blitters, absolutely, the two yeah. sort of flashy guys that are rounds one and two. I think, you know, they're doing the right things. They're saying the right things and let, let's see what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Cardinals at Bengals. Listen to this. Cardinals at Bengals, uh, Friday, August the 12th. Not long at all, is it? Blimey, they've got no, not at all. this week and next week to get a, a little bit ship shape at least. And um, uh, how exciting what? is that? That's fantastic. Final point on Camp Sun, just to leave yep. things on a fairly light note. Evan McPherson banging it from 65 in Camberney. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's he well, he's just great, isn't he? Basically, there's no other word for it because I love the fact that they're using him almost as like a not a circus prop, but someone they can roll out and just get the crowd yeah. going. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, look, all right, let's all right, let's just end this practice with with Evan just banging through a 65 yard and we'll just leave it there. You know what I mean? I think that's incredible. And um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting point. I really hope he has a really good follow-up season. As you know, sport, well, I, sport can be cruel. And, yes. Uh, yes. You know, from one season to the next, things can change. But I don't I know. He's a great point because you, you've seen that in the past, especially with kickers. It's not as like nailed on. I mean, you remember the Vikings old kicker, Blair Walsh. Do you remember him? He came on the scene in his rookie year. He was banging them from 56 yards. He had 90 odd percent um, field goals. I think he may have even made the Pro Bowl. People were raving about him. And he was out of the league in five or six years and famously missed that kick in the playoffs of the Vikings. Now, I think Evan McPherson is a bit better than that. I think he's going to have a very long and successful career, I hope, with the Bengals. But I, I think he has to keep, and I'm sure Darren Simmons is in his ear saying, listen, son, I love your confidence. I love your swagger, but let's keep it, keep the show on the road because all it'll take is a couple of kicks to go left and right, one game to be lost because of it. And people will start talking and questioning and, you know, et cetera. But I'm back, Evan, and I think we're, we're very lucky to have him. And it was one of the best draft picks we've made in the last five years. Absolutely. Good on, Evan. Go on. Uh, right, that's your lot for this week. Huge thanks to Cam Taylor-Britt uh, for joining us. Again, we wish him well for his rookie season and hope he'll have a very long and successful stay in Cincinnati. Can't wait to see him in action. Uh, we'll be back next week. Do get in touch with us at Who Day underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook 
and uh, stand by for an announcement. Uh, we're hoping to have a meet-up for the first game in the season. But uh, again, we're just dotting the I's and crossing the T's on that one. So uh, stand by for that. But until then, enjoy the weather while it lasts. Enjoy the summer. And uh, we'll see you next week. It's a Who Day from me. And a Who Day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.